0: West Brick, West Brick. how you doing man hey jason what's going on i'm doing all right i'm doing all right just a really busy time condo hunting and uh i'll uh, i'll send you photos of some of the stuff i've seen feels like when you're condo hunting around here it's just like it's a whole other a whole other experience you feel like katniss everdeen walking through the Capitol.
1: oh wow yeah um i I can't even imagine because it's you know I feel like you're in just a almost a entirely different planet and you know I I hear people condo shopping here and I'm sure you've heard of like the the crazy prices that are yep. um, Toronto but even you know the, the greater Toronto area I mean you're I mean the bang for your buck for you know five hundred square feet for example is just ridiculous. I'm sending you a photo notice what i'm circling
0: i'm I'm sorry am i looking at one unit <laughs> yeah. that's so the one person has this private pool it's just that one unit that gets it i'm not sure i really understand how they design all this stuff but you just see some of the most interesting things yeah wow. sorry, do... just, I'm, I'm just trying to
1: i'm just trying to um <laughs> uh, i'm just trying to like dictate orally so you know people <laughs> listening to this so okay I'm seeing one, two, three, four, five stories. Now, one person does not have all five stories, do they?
0: You know, that's an interesting question. Um, hmm. You know, it's not it's not unheard of for someone to have a condo that kind of goes two levels like that. So you might, right. you know. But I would gather that that's not the case. But with that said, this building, I took this from the 37th floor of a building. So... That gives you an idea of like how high that building's going up. I mean, it goes mm-hmm. somewhere into the, somewhere into the fifties, I would imagine or sixties. Um, right. But yeah, like I would say each building looks quite different. One of the things that I noticed in Toronto was a lot of the developments tend to look quite similar. Like I'm thinking, I guess, you know where the Skydome is city place and they would just build stacks and stacks of condos going mm-hmm. far and farther out. And they generally look very similar. Um, Here, each one looks different. You're sort of walking through this oasis. It's really, it really is like Katniss walking through the capital. Because I mean, on one hand, you got this. And on the other hand too, it's definitely not how the 80% live. You can, you know, find much more affordable dwellings. It's just, you live farther. It's sort of like any big city, you know? Like in Toronto, you don't have to live downtown. You can rent farther away from the city and something more affordable. But um, got it. But it is interesting. I think even when you when it's more modest living, you, it doesn't. It still feels like okay. These families have a shot to save and accumulate and get to own their property eventually. It's just mm-hmm. what we define as property is different. It's not a whole ba- not a whole house with two stories and a backyard. It's like a flat. Um, But there's like a there's a pathway, so I can kind of there's a sense of like the, I guess in my head I'm like this is probably kind of what they meant by the American dream many years ago, where okay maybe you're rich and you get to live very well, but even if you're not rich, you'll still be able to save, you'll still be able to open your home one day, and you'll still be able to get your kids into a school as long as you're all working hard and sort of saving and living within your means. But uh, whereas you know today you know we've gone over those reasons that it just even when you're doing all that, sometimes it doesn't really feel like that's so certain. That okay, when you're when your time's done working, that you will be in that position where you're feeling secure.
1: You know, you just reminded me of um, you know American Dream. Um, okay.
0: You um, yeah. Did you did you read Gatsby in high school? I'm um, I think everyone pretty no, much did. You know,
1: too. no, you didn't. See,
0: I feel like I robbed myself. I I did enrich English each year I was in high school and. It's it's kind of pointless because it's like I didn't read the book. We didn't read all the same books as everyone, so you're just sort of, in theory, it's quote unquote enriched. You're you know doing this high, but really it's books. I mean, at a high school level, and what I feel like I did in the end is I took myself out of the mainstream of this is what everyone's read and what they know. So when our classmates Mm -hmm. would talk about the books even today, like you're bringing up Gatsby, I didn't read it, so I don't know. So tell me, what are you gonna say about Gatsby? Jesus Christ! I know, right? What what books what books would you have read? uh so in uh, high school okay
1: since you were in this uh elitist class of of english (laughs) i'm about curious
0: you know and that's the tragedy is i don't quite remember it didn't leave enough of an impression i go yeah Mm. you know what that's worth it like what i do remember was we read king Lear twice in grade 11 and then grade 12 yeah
1: that's yeah so i i I read yeah exactly and you know what my friend uh, um mutual friend that you and i have his brother went to uh you remember applebee college in oakville okay and he, he he did king lear twice too and, and, and oh and and then and then when he went to um you know oxford or cambridge when he went to london um he did king lear again um so the um so that, that's really interesting we should um talk more offline about that cuz i i forgot that yeah ot had enriched and advanced classes um so i, I do remember a lot of the books and okay. you know i can And I I feel lucky and privileged that I remember, um, you know, Hamlet and King Lear and, uh, oh, God, um, uh, you know, lots of other books. Uh, Tree Rose in Brooklyn, for example, Catcher in the Rye, et cetera. Didn't read that either. Didn't
0: read Catcher in the Rye. Didn't read Hamlet. Yeah. Yeah. And. so the other day I had, I guess you could call it an oh,
2: interview.
0: I'll just quickly jump in with guy. one point is Catcher in the Rye. Mm-hmm. What a book to read when you're 16, because living out here abroad, I've met people from different countries and we're talking about people who maybe their school system was in it, not, not English. And Catcher in the Rye has come up when I say, Hey, what's a book that really impacted you in high school? Like that age, Catcher in the Rye has come up more than once. It's really interesting how much of an effect that had on people from Asia or Europe or anywhere. And I didn't read it, but anyway, and I was, and they, everyone said the same thing. You know, it was the right book to read at about sixteen, seventeen, which is exactly what Mister Skilleter said too. He's like, when we were in OEC, oh Skiliter, like, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was like, oh, you, you didn't read it, then you kind of missed out your mm-hmm. window. Ah, okay, sorry, keep going. Yeah, away.
1: yeah. I had Skilleter supply for Mister Quinlan, who I um, was pretty fond of as well. Um, oh, I had yeah. Mister Quinlan twice. He had, he had a couple of. Um, I, I, he's on the short list of like maybe not, maybe profound is the wrong word, but, like, a teacher who actually had an impact. I think you and I have talked about this. I can't take young teachers seriously. <laughs> and um, and uh, and Mr. Quinlan was, like, the exact opposite. You know, he, he's the kind of guy that, you know, had been in a bar fight. I think he, like, you know, grew up during, he grew up during the Vietnam War. Like, you know, just people that just know shit. And, and a teacher that was, you know, we were, we were 16, 17 in high school. A teacher that was, like, not even 10 years older than us, I, I just couldn't take seriously and same you know same effect in college um what I'm getting to is that you know the American dream and um you know the, the way Gatsby I guess like um you know really pontificate on the subject and there was kind of the overarching um uh, premise to a story and he I forget how the ending of Gatsby goes but it's something about um a hollow dream and um something about um paddling upwards um you know against a current something to that effect right the the analogy was there and and it was about the uh, american dream and, and gatsby himself was was a fraud in that he had all these books um he had all these leather-bound books but none of them had creases in them which means they were just for show he never read <laughs> okay. them um i had i had an interview the other day um i guess you could say a meeting and it was a gentleman in his 50s and Jason, I I can't describe the feeling, but we started talking about this very subject and he kind of talked about how people um, who espouse knowledge, but really don't know what they're talking about. And the themes were all there. What I remember about Gatsby, but something inside me said, don't bring up Gatsby because this guy won't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't. And in my head, I'm just like, this is so pathetic. I can't even bring up great Gatsby to a person <laughs> who is supposed to be potentially maybe my future boss one day. And this guy, <laughs> he, he's one of those LinkedIn types that his email signature has 18 designations next to it. Oh, I said, congratulations, man. brother. You have 10 more MBAs than I'll ever have, but yet... I can quote Gatsby. I can quote a little bit of Shakespeare. I know, you know, I know the difference between like um you know, the the different tragedies. I know I know the I know the nuances of tragedy between Macbeth and, and Hamlet, for example. Um so yeah, I just I just I just had him tagged as this guy <laughs> that was so um professionally developed, but had I brought up something from grade ten English, you know, <laughs> like, um, look Looked at me weird. So, yeah, I just, and it goes back to one of our conversations we had the other day where I'm just shocked that, like, I think it's something that I i can't stand is when you can't even speak to a certain generation about their previous generation. It's, um, doesn't work for me, brother. So,
0: you, uh, you remind me of the scene in Google Hunting, like, how do you like them apples? The bar mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. You remind of me course. of that. And, and just once, yeah. Point. Yeah. The, no, great the, the the designations when you see someone who has that name and then they have all those degrees and you know when I read that now I think of somebody it's point number one lack of focus point number two insecure point number three doesn't know how to prioritize because it's good to have it's good it's the capabilities there but that next skill is all right help somebody digest like why this matters what what's actually important you know, I mean, fine, maybe you're trying to figure out what you want to do. And that's why you ended up doing all those things. But now that you've gone through your lessons, well, well, you know, like, how, if, if I were hiring you off LinkedIn, what do I what do you want me to look at and say, that's what's important? I'll pull that out. You know, you did a master's mm-hmm. in psychology, you did a master's in finance, you did a master's in um, industrial engineering. Okay, so you, like took on a lot of debt, you've shown a lot of intellectual horsepower and now you're going to help come up with some kind of, you know, marketing strategy. So frame to me why, what you've learned or in what parts of what you learned, how it makes sense. Don't just spit out what you've done, make it make sense to me. So that's kind of how I see it now when I see like, I mean, yeah, like if I'm, um, if I'm
1: going for a vasectomy, yeah, I kind of want (laughs) to see an MD next to the guy that's performing it. But, um, you know, I worked with insurance <laughs> okay. before, and we're going to get to our, um, one day we're going to do a podcast on a volunteer. Jason, I could, I, I work with like, I work with auto insurers, right, claims adjusters, and one guy put like, BA or M, w- whatever, I think it was BA and kin, right, kinesiology. Okay. I'm like, why the fuck? I'm like, why the fuck yeah. do you have that? <laughs> like, so... Uh, yeah okay maybe in the odd event that you were viewing clinical notes and records you're able to like see that you know fractured vertebrae was like but like you know you're you're somebody's calling you talking about how she had to rescue her cat and she fell and she's putting in a claim because it damaged her you know honda civic um what why do you have ba in kinesiology next to your name so that you know your your claimant can see that when you guys are corresponding and like i don't have anything next to my name like are you better than me at insurance because you went to kinesiology so yeah man. i mean listen everything within the right t- context um like you said if, if i'm if, if i'm if i'm dealing with a construction project manager which i have many times yeah man uh, if uh if peng is there and he's talking to me about structural loads and, you know, um, retrofits and different things like that. Yeah, I'm all ears. Like, this motherfucker knows what he's talking about, and thank you for identifying yourself as such. And yes, I'll gladly take your card, because I might want to do work with you in, in the future, right? Um, but, um, yeah, like, I, I mean, you see it all the time. It's kind of a joke, but it's also pathetic at the same time. It's like, I have an MBA. Like, sir, welcome to Starbucks. How can I take your order? So, um, <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, I could do a series of podcasts about kind of the the quote unquote value of an MBA when it makes sense and, and how sort of messaging around and debates around it sort of get a bit convoluted just because in my head, there's different ways to think of what an MBA is. I actually thought about doing like an individual like whole content series on it. I just never did it. Um, talking about lack of focus, kind of misplaced effort and and inflation of credentials you know who comes to mind is Russell Westbrook
1: I, I, I like what you just did there <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's Russell Westbrook since the beginning he's just now being exposed just like these frauds that you're talking about who you've come across in your in your professional life like Russell Westbrook right now is going from working in his his local little mom-and-pop shop to maybe the the next town a little bit bigger but now he's finally in the big shiny office where there's so many more eyeballs on what he's doing and everybody's seeing what he's just not as capable of doing and he's working alongside better talent than he's ever like worked beside before now james and james harden and kevin durant they are top-notch talent but they weren't the level that they're like when he played with them back in okc they were the young guys right they were like a, they were almost like a startup they weren't at the level that they are now so it was different and eventually russ sort of drove them away and he had free reign to just do whatever he wanted around his office and i brought it up because i i was whatever i was reading about russ i just is just striking a nerve recently i'm kind of like okay I like, okay uh, that's like yeah, to, that's like to my first question I mean, he's one, one of your guys too. What, to talk to you. yeah what's what's your
1: question when when did when did russ stop being this like charmed talent for you to like um like was it are we talking like OKC you pegged a certain point as far back as as OKC his, his MVP years that he was like, you know, you could see that this guy was not gonna be all that people have said about him and then what all and certainly the expectation he put him himself, or is this kind of,
0: you know, his Reasons? recent
1: incarnation. No. Okay.
0: I, I I'll say this from the very beginning you know I've never been a huge Russell Westbrook fan I started to come around more I just kind of got swayed by the the narrative of when KD left OKC and like okay now it's on Russ and the way Russ to finally just took up to just say okay like I'm not backing down and we're gonna we're gonna we're going to charge ahead and he got his team, his 50 wins and he kind of did this for multiple seasons and you just go charging. So I'm always a big fan of that, that stone cold, Lost, Steve Austin mindset. Um, But as a player, I never took to him because I never believed in the way he played. I remember back an old colleague when, when Derek Rose was in his rookie year or sophomore year and Russell Westbrook was also quite young and I, because I'm my East Coast bias, I would only ever watch Eastern Conference teams. So I was definitely much more familiar with Derrick Rose and Russell Westbrook. But whenever I did see them play, I just love the way Derrick Rose plays in the same way that I love the way John Morant plays now. Russell Westbrook, he's just like a steaming bull, right? He runs and he dunks, and I, I never saw him develop anything. And then I just think that uh, his personality, on one hand, I kind of admired it the way he would be defiant. And on the other hand, too, um, like I, I thought that commercial when he came out, you know, uh, right after Jordan Brand commercial, right after uh, KD left. Okay, I was all behind Russ. I like to be proved wrong. So if this guy was going to come out and he was going to win a title, like or get DC farther in playoffs, or then finally with the Lakers, okay, he's going to win his reign. Okay, yeah, prove, prove us all wrong. Because I like seeing it whenever the media gets stuff wrong. But I think what's really soured me, aside from the fact that I was never a huge fan of his to begin with, because I don't like the way he plays, is he just, I, I don't like when people don't take accountability. I don't like when they just get little, he's just acting weak. And then the the final tipping point was recently when, okay, he had very valid points why he went up against fans who were acting all sorts of inappropriate with their, um, you know whether it's racially insensitive or derogatory remarks, which I don't know we don't know what was said, we have to, which we believe. But then, you know, like he had valid points there. But now, and other players too in in the league, just kind of going at fans just for being heckled. They don't like when he's being called Westbrook. Like, and then he starts invoking his wife and his kids as a as a way to deflect any criticism. Like he's hiding behind them. Like nah, I don't have time for that. Look, you're not playing good. Own it just own it the way other athletes have in the past, like Big Poppy in Boston. He started sucking, and then he owned it. That's who comes to mind first. And I'm, I'm trying to remember which other players, like uh, Brook Lopez when he was in the Lakers, he owned it. Um, yeah, I should have had oh, there, There's, this, a lot, there's lots. There's yeah, lots uh, who own well, it. Actually, and, uh, yes. I'll just say this. So the thing about is Westbrook, I mean, it's a funny, like – Kind of corny name. Like it's the type of insult that you just say it. Whoever's in the audience, whoever's in the fans will hear it. Maybe they laugh. Maybe they think, "Oh, that's so lame," and then they move on. But because Russ decided to stop the middle of the game, call a fan out about it, and then talk about it in the press conference, he's going to get chant. That's just going to chant that in other arenas. So that didn't do him any favors. And you know when he says, "Don't disrespect my name," like that's not really disrespecting your name in the same way that like when Stephen A's making fun of the names of the Nigerian players or when they check made fun of Yao Ming or whoever made fun of Jeremy, that's not the same thing. This is, it's, it's just, when you're an athlete, you're an entertainer and this is part of the, it's part of the deal. So I was just, I was just so fed up with Russ after that. What were you going to say?
1: I, um, I think I agree with everything you said, like as a matter of fact, um, I can't say I have the same emotion, but that, that's cool. That's why we, that's why you and I are different. I, I I, don't like hipsters correcting doctors at the dinner table. And, you know, you don't like you know, <laughs> athletes who can have their petulant child moments. And, and, and I, I, will, I will completely agree with you here. I saw that press conference. I saw the link that you sent me. And, you know, him bringing up his kids as a prop and his wife about his name and how Listen, I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that being young, black and successful comes with its own um, horrors. And there's uh, I'm sure they're more often the time victim than not. But I mean, someone at school potentially playing off your name, you know, it's (laughs) uh, it's 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 not quite an ethnic. It's it's Westbrook. I mean, I could be named Westbrook. You know, it's it's nothing. I think he picked he definitely picked the wrong. Um, he should have zigged when he should have zagged. You know, like he, yeah, you know, he he should have said, "Look, I don't like my name being disrespected," and I'll leave it at that. Um, in terms of you've you've talked about guys who have um. You know, and, and I I made a different list. I'll get to my list. Oh, in a second. before we get I'm to your list, I just want to, to make it.
0: one last point about that West his story that press conference. I actually don't mm-hmm. even believe that part of the story too. When he said, "Well, you know, his wow. teacher's so proud of his name. I write his. He keeps writing his name. He's trying himself." Like, yeah, I believe that he's learning to write his name, and I. I but I don't believe that's the story as it's being told. You know what I mean? Like, it's not.
1: Well, as you know, I'm I'm the guy that believes four percent of his story. <laughs>
0: It's ever told. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just such a weird story, and it's like I'm never a fan of people lying about families yeah. fucking kids for their own benefit. So now, I'm like Russ, yeah. you can't do that. You can't do that. Just yeah. just yeah. stay home. And you know well, what? If, if, if you sure. if
1: you if you remember, they went to Mike Tyson right away after he bit Holyfield's ear, and Mike was in pure deflective mode, right? Because I'm sure he was realizing <laughs> that the, the animal that he was going to be betraying He totally. <laughs> He he says like I gotta go home to my daughter. And he's pointing to his eye. Now Evander Holyfield was a habitual headbutt,er right? He, he was he would lean in, kind of shoulder oh, yeah. first, um, shoulder roll, and then you know exit uh, upon the exit, hit you with whatever combination punch. Evander was very slick at that, and it just happened to be that the the way both their their body compositions and differential on height that Holyfield would on numerous occasions during the two fights um at least three would would come up and and square you know mike ran the eyebrow but mike immediately said i gotta go home to my daughter it's just like yeah mike i understand you have to go home to your daughter with a cut eye evan was gonna go home to his kids missing an ear <laughs> <You> know.
2: <laughs> so
1: see what you're doing there but i also i also see it's not working um it's not back to what you said russ not owning russell westbrook in 2022 um look is he in a bit of denial is it one of those things that he you might be right. Maybe his athleticism and the way he plays just is just set up not to evolve. I, I don't know. I think he's going to, I've, I've said this and I think you and I have said this online. He's going to be one of the more interesting cases ever. I mean, with Allen Iverson, yeah, former league MVP, um, did Iverson won to score in title. It doesn't matter. Um, but you know, uh, Iverson, um, he's in the iconic class. I don't think Russell will never be there, but Again, we're talking about a guy who, Alan Iverson, that was a heart and soul, check. Um, kind of made excuses sometimes, you know. I mean, Alan Iverson kind of like to blame everyone else, but you know, <laughs> l- l- let's just let's just for the sake of this comparison, compare the two, right? I think Westbrook's going to be even more curious case than Alan Iverson because Alan Iverson. Um, I feel like if he had the right support around him and if he was in Westbrook's situation where he was surrounded by all these people, I don't think it would have been... And and we saw Allen Iverson kind of try and make it work in Denver as well. Um, Westbrook's probably going to be the most curious case because, my God, he has just this ridiculous athleticism to the point when I don't see him performing at a ten. That I think something's off with him, but this year it's like he misses all. He's West Brick, but yet he's still like every other game. He's post riding, same guy. He's getting like a foot above them. It's just I don't know. I haven't. I'm trying to conceptualize what will be kind of the um, the the obituary of Russell Westbrook's playing career. I mean, he's NBA top seventy five as we speak right now. Maybe he gets um, maybe he gets demoted when it comes time for NBA one hundred. And if he doesn't win, might he be like, what would be his category? Um, kind of most overrated league MVP with the talent of, I don't even know, possibly more physical talent than say a Kobe Bryant, you know, in terms of stuff you can measure in a combine anyways.
0: Um, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be when it's all said and done. Well, you know, I just quickly looking at the Wikipedia pages of both. I mean, they're both super compelling, by the way. Alan Iverson, four time NBA scoring champion, and uh, Russell Westbrook, okay. two time. But um, he's for sure top 75 worthy. He's for sure going to be top 100 worthy, like in my mind. And you're right. That's why it's such a curious case because I don't know if who's more frustrating to watch it in terms of at that superstar level, be it Russ or James. But it's one of those two who mm-hmm. might be the most frustrating to watch. Like when you're a fan of, of either or the game, I I do think that he's definitely still got more to contribute, like athletically to a team. And it won't be the Lakers; it'll be another team. Like he can. Mm-hmm. I, I I believe that you know, like in the same way that Kuzma had the capability. to Now I'm not putting Kuzma and Russell Westbrook in the same like skill bracket. That's just not the case. Well, you know, at this stage of the careers, like on his way up the younger guy and Russ kind of on the decline, just because he's older, not not for any other reason, That that happens to all of us as we're older, that I could see a world where they're comparable in terms of what they can contribute. I just I was going to say is Russ goes to another team, a contender, can totally envision how he would have a positive impact on the team in the same way that he did for the, of the, the Wizards when they went from not in the playoffs to the did they do they get into the playoffs? They at least got into the play in last year, right? I can't even remember now, but I believe so. But and I don't know. Maybe this is tying it back to LeBron. Is I finally figured out to explain what LeBron's teams are always well above average. Something about him, and this kind of goes back to what you were t- talking about about just the presence of how he is setting a pace that makes it harder for anybody, even some Anthony Davis, to keep up. I, when I was thinking about it, he he can take, he's so good that he can take all the different scrubs that there are on any of his teams and elevate their level so that they look better than what they are individually. But all the superstars that join him, they all seem to regress beside him. The only person who I thought either kept the level or even improved was Kyrie Irving. Everyone else, I, I can't think of an example where the superstar looked better playing beside him. But there are many, many examples of lower tier players looking better beside him and something about lebron something about the way he runs his team something about you just gotta wonder i don't know there's this
1: he's like he's in in a way he's hulk hogan right because hulk hogan (laughs) takes you're supposed to get the rub with hulk hogan but then he you know hey warrior i'll drop the belt to you You knowing full well warrior's gonna like suck because he knows how the company works he knows that with him going to film a film a movie that you know people aren't going to be interested um in it um he's like, yeah rock, um don't worry, um we're gonna have a wrestlemania match. If I, I maybe maybe the fans of are in cheer for me, maybe they won't, but you know we'll <laughs> play it by here and he you know totally like you know he ho he, he H- H- hogan's a thing where it's like um you know he'd work with savage, he'd work with warrior uh, Big Boss Man, Bundy, Orndorff, and he would have all these programs. But he would, so these guys are supposed to get the rub from Hulk Hogan, right? So yeah, brother, don't worry, brother. Um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll get I'll I'll go over here because you know Vince wants me to go over. But don't worry, you know your time's gonna come, and the time never comes, right? Hogan never does the <laughs> a. Hogan doesn't do the job in return. B. Fans remember that these guys just lost to Hogan, and half the time, the way Vince books them, they're not gonna give a shit that like. Um, you know, that Mr. Perfect um, is going to face Ultimate Warrior
0: or something like that. Because, like, Mr. Perfect just lost to Hulk Hogan, like, last year. You
2: know? And that even even
0: like. when Hogan puts over a guy, it he's doing it in a, in a way that doesn't really pass the heat on to the next guy. Exactly. So Hogan never exactly. really loses his footing. He can always get – he's sort of always on top, which is always the criticism yeah, of, like, a Triple H. And, yeah, so, I mean, LeBron – we won't turn this into a LeBron. I was just saying, I can see this just might not have been a good situation for Russ. Sometimes grass is not greener, you know.
1: Yeah, and just, and with 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 Russ, I started thinking because you were like, um, you know, kind of this disheveled cantankerous guy that he's, he's turning into. And I, so, what's the difference between like Russ and like Bret Hart, who's been you know cantankerous <laughs> for like twenty years after his career, right? It's that you know, Brett Hart. You could, and he's like, you he know, the most bitter guy ever. And I kind of love him for it. You, you can show him a YouTube video of like, you know, cute, cute kittens or cute dogs, and say, like, "Oh, Uncle Brett, what do you think of that?" He's like, "Oh, it's all right," but you know, Steve Austin never kicked out of the sharpshooter. Right? He's just, but you know, what does Brett have that I don't think Russ is going to have thirty years from now? Well, Brett was a generational talent. He was generational the day that he stopped wrestling. Um, Wrestling has never been the same. I've never seen a good as wrestler as Bret Hart, and I'm waiting for the day for someone to come along to remind me of Bret Hart. I don't think Russ is going to have that kind of thing. Um, Is Russ going to turn into, like, a Scottie Pippen, where it's just this revisionist history and, like, you know, kind of old man um, sitting on the porch just, you know – ripping apart his teammates and no, no, you had it all wrong. I was the guy. Michael was, you know, subservient to me. Um yeah, it's it's it 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 doesn't end well for these guys. I don't know if you remember uh oh you know I know you remember Mike James when he played for the Raptors, but um you may not have been in the country. <clears throat> but I remember the the year that he so he was with the Raptors and I think he went into free agency and he it was so weird he um he got rid of his agent or something and he represented himself so he went into negotiation oh, with no. um w- with with Toronto Raptors right so it was him and Colangelo and then he goes on Chuck Sworsky's show right Chuck Sworsky Chuck, yeah excuse me Chuck Sworsky had had his own radio show on the fan um which is hilarious uh, to think about it um and chuck was like well if you don't mind sharing I like what are you looking for why are you trying to avoid arbitration like what do you want and his reasons for like his reasons for asking for a bit more money than what he wanted were just like non-quantifiable reasons he was like you know it was me and lindsey hunter back in the pistons we were the pit bulls i'm still the pit bull um i'm heart and soul i'm all this and chuck's like um Yeah, but, you know, if you get an arbitrator involved, he's going to look at your, you know, he's going to look at your points per minute and all that stuff, and he's like, yeah, but I'm heart and soul and all this stuff. It's just like... The similarities between, like, a Mike James during that interview and a Russell Westbrook right now, it's just... just, You guys don't get it. (laughs) You guys, like, like, for Russ going out there, and while I admire him pouring his heart out, um so i'll say two things number one he's he, he's 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 probably said too much and he's also saying the wrong things okay and, and that that's that's fine i'm willing to concede that but also say if he was really pouring his heart out like uh, pascal siakam did earlier this year where he was doubting the max contract and he felt the pressure and all that man fans just don't deserve your honesty um full stop in my opinion so don't once you give them too much of a, once you give them too much in the peek into the window of your life, what you're thinking, you bring up your kids, man, That it's just like you say, you're just giving fodder to this rabid, uncivilized, unsophisticated fan base that's just, you know, it's just pathetic. Um, they're not only online trolls, they're going to troll when they're when they're at the arena now, because they know they're, some of them are young enough. Sorry, some of them are old enough to at least know what Malice in the Palace was and how an incident like that's never gonna happen again. And they know that there's just, you know, an army of security that's just going to like that they just feel this in, um immunity from from that. So uh these fans just don't deserve anything. And um yeah, I don't know if you want to say anything with regards to that in terms of how he really should listen to some PR exec and social LeBron. Sometimes I don't. Know. Maybe that's a Laker thing. They they don't have people who are kind of coaching these players, or maybe they do and they're just afraid to approach them. But I don't know. He, he's clearly very fragile. If you remember, or maybe I so I saw him. I've seen a lot of interviews. People talking about Farouk Ron Simmons and how he was, uh, you know, Florida State Seminole, and then he was, you know, he worked on all those southern promotions, and everyone's just like man you can't fuck with ron you can't break that guy like he's been called every despicable disgusting things and, and you know and, and and you know those territories and then you know uh, georgia and florida based wcw at the time yeah. and all this stuff and all this stuff and only only years after the fact does ron speak about it like he kept that shit to himself right because that's 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 self-preservation man like non-selling is a great thing i'm not telling like
0: yeah russ what now, he not, has to do
1: but but, but, but i'm not but,
0: but, saying but, that that was okay that's like that kind of environment it's good that the league and society is trying to clean that stuff up right because we got out advance the point is,
1: but the, yeah. the, the the point the point that i'm making is ron simmons took all that and you don't hear a peep from him and then finally when his career is said and done and we're living in this, like, you know, post Barack Obama era and all this stuff. And he's finally, like, given a platform and said, hey, tell us about, like, you know, rest, uh, college in the, you know, 70s and wrestling in the 80s and 90s. He goes, oh, yeah, it was hell. I went through this, this, and this. It was yeah. traumatic for me, but I did this. So, like, man, there's got to be some teachable moment there. I mean, these guys are just, again, um, I think when Pascal speaks, poetically about his struggles i think that's that that's awesome i was afraid that he wouldn't he's and it turns out he's having a great year and you know good for him but you can easily imagine that had he regressed that people would be been like see this is the guy that did that interview so and so and and he wasn't confident about his, his his um his contract and and all this stuff and so you just know people would throw that in his face and for russ um man, like you got you gotta do a couple things. Like you said, be more accountable. Um keep a lot more shit to yourself and you know, figure out what your next moves are for sure. Like that's that that's that's the Russell that's the Russell Westbrook like three point plan going forward. Um he's thirty something. I don't think he He might evolve game wise because it's very possible that his next contract is going to be a massive pay cut and he's going to have to make a serious decision. It's like, do I play in Greece and get all the minutes or do I, you know, take a serious pay cut and, you know, have my minutes reduced. And maybe I'm a starter with bench minutes or a bench player with starters minutes. He's, he's going to, there's going to have to be a reconciliation of that kind.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good, I think that, That's a good summary of Russell Westbrook. That, um, yeah, I just had to get this off my chest,
1: it was bothering me. I think we're good, okay. I'm glad, glad to have, uh, glad to have helped. Yeah, I know we started off talking about like MBAs and all that stuff. I have to leave this one because people just like how Russ just brings up, like, hey, my my kid's learning to write his last name. It's like, I'm sorry, what's this have to do with Westbrook? (laughs) Um. i I now go to i i now go to um town of oakville meetings and I don't know if you know but Oakville for like the third straight year is not opting into uh, um, uh cannabis sales right okay. um and the same 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 counselor member keeps bringing up that from her lawyer days or her law background or her experience in common law um I'm talking zero correlation, so she'll bring up his her law degree, um, I don't know designation and background, only to say in the end that I don't think Oakville's ready to opt in for for can- for for cannabis sales. And I'm just like, what, what, what why, why the preamble about your law degree? What was it not helping? And no <laughs> one checks her on it. And she maybe says it like two or three times during a meeting, um, and it just it, it bothers me to no end. I think I'm more triggered. I think I'm as triggered by that. As you are by Russell Westbrook not taking accountability <laughs> for your shit. So, so thank you. You've actually brought me to the same boiling point that you are, but we're just, you know, <laughs> our heat is towards two different people.
0: Oh my goodness, no, man. <laughs> that's that's good. Okay, I'll catch you on the next topic. All right, see everyone. Sounds good, man.